favorite renditions of Osole Mio out there, Luciano Pavarotti, live from Madison Square Garden back in 1994. Just an amazing voice, an amazing song, and it's the theme song, as long as we can use it, to our brand new podcast on the Far From Vesuvius Network. This is episode two, essentially. Our first one was untitled, but guess what, guys? I have finally figured out a title to the podcast, we are now called That's right, Noi Tifiamo Napoli. That's our new podcast name. I appreciate everybody who gave me their ideas and entries to try to come up with the name of this podcast. But I really liked it. You know, I included it in the first Untitled podcast, the audio. Uh, it kind of struck a chord with me. I think it, it sums up, you know, our... Um, it sums up what we are, who we are. We are Napoli fans, Noi Tifiamo Napoli. Um, you know, so now we have a theme song, we have a name, and I'm announcing that we will have a co-host as well. Uh, and it looks like we're going to add this person in the coming weeks, possibly after the new year. Uh, but stay tuned for that. It'll be me flying solo, Rafa Rispo. Uh, just for a little bit here and I thank you for joining us so now let's get to business at hand where uh, there's a lot to talk about we had a Champions League game last week against Real Madrid followed by the Inter match uh, this past Sunday and now we look ahead to Juventus on the road and uh, we have to talk injuries, we have to talk, you know, situations with management, and there, there was a lot, uh, you know, we had a, a, the, the annual Italian awards happened, uh, and they named the Serie A 11, they named the manager of the season, they named, uh, you know, the team of the season, and um, even out in Africa, they have boiled it down to three finalists for the African Player of the Year. We're going to get to all that in un attimo. Let's start with the Champions League, guys. Uh, we came into the Bernabeu last week looking to just gain a point. There was even an instance in where if we lost, we would be able to qualify 
that didn't happen. The other game was uh, Braga, who tied with Union Berlin 1-1. Uh, I believe if Berlin had won and Napoli had lost, we still would have qualified. But it didn't happen that way. We lose 3-2 to to Madrid, who had already qualified, but now solidified their group stage win. And Napoli have it all to do against Braga at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona coming up soon, December 12th. Our starting 11 was Medet, Di Lorenzo, Rachmani, Nathan, Jesus, Anguisa, Lobotka, Zielinski, Politano, Simeone, Kvarachkelia. Uh We played against Real Madrid, who had a lot of injuries and who had a lot of changes in their lineup as well. As, uh, you know, uh, Lunin, goalkeeper. Uh, Brian Diaz started up front with Rodrigo. Bellingham was there. They started Ceballos as well. You know, uh, but... You know, despite the long list of injuries, this is still a Real Madrid team that people need to fear. So Carlo Ancelotti was up for it, as he always is on a European night. And the game was good. You know, we, we came out strong. We got the first goal with Simeone in the ninth minute to make it 1-0. Quadrascalia's cross to the back post where Di Lorenzo redirected it back across the six-yard area where Simeone poked it in from close range. The ref checked to see if the whole ball went over. It did. And, you know, we were up 1-0. But right away, Madrid come back and make it 1-1 with Rodrigo. And not long after that, maybe just 10 minutes after that, Madrid take the lead with Bellingham. Uh, You know, and the two guys who you would think would score the goals for them did did come through like if if you didn't bet either one of those two to score a goal then something's wrong with you because those guys will score it's actually funny because um Kay murray on the calcio cast podcast that she does with bonetti you know she said that madrid almost want you to score they want you to come through they want you to score because they feed off of those occasions they feed off of being down or they feed off of a little pressure. They want you to come score. They they're not they don't have a problem with you scoring a goal on them. So um, no sweat after going down one nil. They go up two one, uh, and then you know not, uh, more close calls for Napoli. A good a good good play. The first half was decent, um, and we come out in the second half. And Zambongisa gets a goal, beautiful goal too, as uh, Di Lorenzo has the ball, finds Anguisa, who's making a run to the right. Anguisa takes a, a, a shot that's blocked by Ceballos, and Anguisa takes the deflection back to himself and thumps it, absolutely buries it into the top left corner. No chance for Lunin, and it's 2-2 just like that. And that's where... Napoli sort of took their foot off the pedal as uh, Real Madrid just came at them like it was, you know, life or death, you know, um, you know, efforts by Rodrigo, efforts by Carvajal. Um, there was a shout for a penalty that wasn't given that might have might should have been given, you know, um, Nicolas Paz comes in, Jose Lu comes in and those two guys get on the score sheet to beat us four to two. Uh, but Nico Paz's goal was, uh, you know, nice long range left footed shot towards the bottom right corner that skips right in front of Medet. And 
Uh, you know, he sort of bobbles it. It just, you know, and Madrid go up 3-2. It was very similar to the game in Naples. Very similar, you know, uh, in the fact that we took the lead early. They came back and took the lead on us, you know, in the first half. Second half starts right away. We get an equalizer. And then uh, a shot from outside the box, you know, does us in. The first one in Naples being um, the shot from Valverde that just was absolutely in, in insane um you know nothing medic could do in my opinion 98 mile an hour fastball up top and then uh pauses goal but this one i feel medic could have done a lot better with but anyway josalu has like 11 chances to score <laughs> open nets and just one-on-ones with the keeper and just a lot of missed shots by josalu and then he gets his goal you know, tapping it in from a close range. The defense just kind of stopped playing, and it's a little frustrating. Overall, I think Napoli could be, you know, proud of their performance against Madrid. But it's a chance that we wasted because, again, that Braga game ended 1-1, and if Napoli had just held on for a 2-2, we would be in the round of 16 right now, and the game against Braga on December 12th in Naples would be... Uh, you know, just a game to kick around at, you know, <laughs> and um, it's that's not the case anymore. Now we have uh, a, ch- a chance. We still have a great chance to qualify, but Napoli fans will not take my words of encouragement too lightly because I do think we'll qualify. But we've been here before, haven't we, where there one scenario where we don't qualify happens and then we don't qualify and. Um, the, in this case, the only way we don't qualify is if Braga beat us by more than one goal. So b- we can afford to lose the game 1-0, 2-1. We can lose and still qualify, but we can't lose by more than one goal. So any other result is uh, means the round of 16 for us, which is important. And it's also important for qualification for the Club World Cup because... Um, you know, the fact that Juventus, and I will go over this too, but the fact that Juventus um, aren't in Europe and Milan are not doing as well as they should be doing, or I don't want to say should be because it is a group of death, but they're not doing well. And should they not qualify for the round of 16, which I believe there's only one scenario where they do qualify. So they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, we are in good shape in qualifying for this thing. Uh, in 2025, the Club World Cup, which takes place in the United States, by the way. As for Milan, you know, I, I'd like to touch a little bit on the rest of the Italian teams in Europe. Uh, Milan have it all to do, and their scenario, it, well, they they lose pretty miserably to Borussia Dortmund the day before, uh, 3-1 to one in Milan, and a last-minute penalty kick by Kylian Mbappe for PSG against Newcastle means that Milan now have a lot of work to do. That result, like if Newcastle had beaten PSG, Milan's chances of going in would be a lot easier. But now it's you. Milan must defeat Newcastle and PSG cannot get a result against Dortmund. So basically, Dortmund, who's already qualified who is looking to wrap up. The, I believe they already won the group, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, no, they still have to play. So if PSG beat Dortmund, 
Um, I think it, you know, depending on what they did before, it'll it'll come down to PSG or Dortmund as group winners. But if Milan can beat Newcastle and PSG don't get a result against Dortmund, Milan will qualify for the round of 16. And so this comes down to, <laughs> you know, the age-old, do we root for Italian teams in Europe? And I know some of us do, and some of us, a lot of us, don't. I'm completely on the fence. I'm not going to go f- flag-bearing, <laughs> waving, you know, waving the flag if they win, like some other people I know in my close quarters, actually. Um I'm not going to go wearing the jerseys, and I'm not going to go texting saying Forza so-and-so. It's only Napoli for me. But, but guys, indulge me for a second. You know, hear me out. Hear me out. These Italian teams, you know, the better they do, yeah, the better for the, you know, for the league, the coefficients, whatever, whatever you want to say. But now... With the new Champions League format coming into the next season, coming into play, these teams, if we do well, if we, you know, Serie A teams do well in all of Europe, you know, and they get enough coefficient points for this season, it could mean a fifth team in the Champions League. Now, it's with the new format, like I said, um, where there are two more spots available for the best performing federation. So if Serie A either ends up one or two in the coefficients for this season alone, and now we're not talking overall coefficients, which is a an average of the previous five seasons, but for this season, if Italian teams do well, they could Serie A could get a fifth team in the Champions League, which means, you know, not for nothing, guys, but Napoli are not looking too good in Serie A right now. And if, and, and you know, it's not an achievement, it's not an achievement to finish in fifth. But if we finish fifth and Italy finishes top two in the coefficients, we get into the Champions League like that. And you know, at this point, any way we can, I'll take it. You know, we're not at that point. I thought we may be, you know, after last season's glory and last season's beautiful Scudetto and the way we played. And I thought maybe we could build this into a dynasty, which would have been great. And it doesn't look like it's happening right now. I mean, things can turn around. There's still a lot of play. But, you know, it could be important for us to have to go for these Italian teams in Europe. That being said, should Milan be ousted i'm okay with that too because it, you know if you you've got in the other group so lazio wrapped up uh champions league qualification by beating celtic 2-0 uh along with an atletico madrid win over feyenoord they are the two teams going to the next round they play actually lazio play real uh, lazio play atletico madrid um next for the group win um, so they could even still win the group. So, so you know that's important. If they could, if they could win their group, if Inter could win their group, they actually have to play as well uh, for their group against Sociedad. They play against them. Winner if that uh, wins the group, you know. And if Napoli could qualify, that's three out of four Italian teams, two group winners. Um, in the Europa League, you've got Atalanta that qualified for the round of 16. I believe they also won the group with their 
uh, draw against Sporting. Uh, yes, that's confirmed. They won the group. Um, and then uh, I think it's just Roma that need, I, I believe Roma qualified as well. Yes, Roma has qualified for the knockout stages of the of the Europa League. They can win their group if they can win their next game in the Europa League against Sheriff and Slavia Prague uh, don't win their game against Servette. Roma could also win that group and then Fiorentina have qualified for the round of six or the next round of the uh, conference league as well and they can wrap up their group with a draw against Ferenc Varos uh, coming up on December 14th so you know things are looking pretty good for Italian teams in Europe and again no one's gonna fly the flag. No one's gonna become all of a sudden. I'm a, I'm a Serie A fan. I'm a fan of Serie A because that's what, that's what we watch each and every week. But in Europe, it doesn't. It's not going to make or break me if other Italian teams do well. But I rather them do well than other nations i'd rather us get that fit so why can't it be us why can't it be italian football why can't it be you know our league is 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 a good league man it's it is and in my opinion i think we we deserve it so if if you know I, i i while i'm not necessarily cheering for milan to qualify for the next round i am cheering for everybody else this season so there's that now we have to talk about Inter. Yes, I know. Right away. Mazzotti made a few changes here. He went with Meret in goal, Di Lorenzo Rachmani, Ostigard next to Rachmani, and Natan on the left back. Uh, something different, something new. L- n- turns out that Natan started his career as a left back and switched to the left side of a three-man center back position at his time where in Brazil. Um so he has some sort of experience back there. Uh, Angisa, Lobotka, and Elmas. Elmas got the start over Zielinski. Uh, and then Politano, Osimen, and Kvaraskelia. Uh As far as Inter goes, they were injured too. You know, uh, they had a few injuries on defense. Uh, but Summer started in goal. The three-man back was Darmian, Devray, and Acerbi. Dumfries, Barella, Chalonoglu, Mkhitaryan, and DiMarco in the midfield, the stellar midfield. And then Marcus Turam and Lautaro Martinez up front. Now, as for the match itself, disheartening is, is the word. I mean, like, we could we could be upset with the Real Madrid up outcome um, and the way it happened, but I think we could hold our heads high. And Napoli came out like that in the first half of the Inter game Sunday, Right. We looked good. Elmas took a shot right away. Huge shot. Hit, you know, Summer had to make an incredible save. First three minutes of the game. Angisa was there. 
winning duels and making plays and Kladyshkelia was there pulling off good passes and you know finding finding you know good crosses and I think the team played just so well Politano had a sh- you know another shot from outside the box hit smashed the crossbar Napoli came away if you watch the game and look at the scoreline and you watch the first half you're like there's no way there's no way that this happened and Napoli looked really good and looked like they would be the team to, to penetrate first, but it was Inter. Inter in the 44th minute, but not without controversy. Lautaro Martinez wins a challenge against Anguisa, but also fouls Lobotka as he sends the ball up to Barella. Barella then sends the ball up to Marcus Saram, who's challenging with Ostigard, finds Di Marco, who sends a cross up, and a header by Dumfries, a flick on from Barella, and a blast, an absolute blast by Hakan Chalanoglu past Medet. In my opinion, nothing Medet could do about it. It was one of those shots that was just phenomenal shot. However, the entire Napoli swarm the referee, who is uh, Massa, by the way, and um, our you know, adamant about them looking at VAR because 10 seconds earlier, if you go back and watch it, guys, Lautaro Martinez 100% has both arms around his waist, fouls Lobotka. There's a foul leading up to the play. Goal should have never stood. It did, though. They decided that it wasn't enough, I guess, to to call it back, and it's 1-0 into the break. So after such a great half of football by Napoli, they're going in dejected, down one nil. But we've been there before, right, guys? Well, here's another place we've been before, where we'll have a stellar half, and then the opposite half would be just absolutely terrifying to watch. Terrifying. Either if they have a great first half, they can't finish in the second. If they have a, a, a so-so first half, they turn it up for the second. Napoli can't play two halves to save their lives. However, they started off the second half not too bad. They had a few opportunities. Then, Victor Osimhen gets fouled in the box. And the referee decides, "Mm, not enough contact. Not enough contact. So there was contact, but it was not enough to warrant a penalty kick. So what happens is in the 58th minute, Victor Osman gets the ball and is clipped by a Cherby. Uh, Anguisa gets the ball that comes uh, free from there, gives it to Kvadashkeli on the left, who takes a shot. Summer saves it. Summer, by the way, an absolutely great goalkeeper. Fantastic saves all day. He made some saves that definitely kept Inter in the game, for sure. But go watch that play again where Osman gets fouled in the box. And doesn't get called for the penalty kick. Meanwhile, I mean, I believe it was the Roma game that was there was an awarded penalty. I believe it was for DiBala, though the goal that DiBala scored was just a soft penalty, or by some would some standards would say soft. Uh, and then there was another game. I think it was a Lecce game where there was another penalty that was given. The point I'm trying to make here is that. I've seen fouls like that happen in Serie A before more than once this season where it's given, but 
you would look at it and say, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe there wasn't enough to warrant the foul. Maybe maybe that, that shouldn't have been a penalty. It's a soft penalty. However, the rule book states contact in the box that leads to a foul is a penalty no matter what, right? And, and this instance checks off all the boxes, all of them. This should have been a penalty kick. If we score the penalty kick, now that's that's another thing we have to score the penalty kick. But should we score that penalty kick, who's to say that this game ends 3-1 for Inter? How do you know that they're going to score those two goals? The momentum switches shifts to our side, which I like I said, before that instance, we had a pretty decent beginning to the second half. We we still pressed on. And I just think that the referee not giving us anything, no cards being pulled out in our favor at all, and in my opinion, that just kind of dejected our guys. And and there you go, the the, the next two goals happen where Barella gets his first of the season. Everybody scores their first of the season against us, of course. Um, you know, a, a, a sloppy touch by. By Politano leads to Inter's possession where a cross comes in by Lautaro and Barella finds the cross and pretty much slaloms through the whole defense. I mean, you know, Ostigard and Natan just dreadful in marking Barella. Um, you know, Medet comes out but can't can't get to the save. Ossiman had another opportunity after that. A header came close, but... You know, then in in the in the 85th minute, you know, 22 passes. You know, it looked like Inter really looked like Napoli from last year. That's really it. when it boils down to it. Inter looked exactly like Napoli from last year. Cuadrado finds a ball on the right, sends it into a wide open Turam. Meta in no man's land. Defense standing around, looking around at each other. Three nil Inter, and. That's a wrap for the Scudetto, guys. In my opinion, that was a wrap for the Scudetto. We, if we win that game, if we win that match, we go to minus six against Juventus, who would have been in the lead with their two to one win over Monza. And if you know, we've got Juventus on the road. We're the road. We're the road warriors this year, guys. We are first place in Serie A on the road, and we're something like seventeenth or eighteenth at home this year. Seven points at home. Seven. And we're the best team in the league on the road. So now we beat Juventus last year twice, right? Five one at the Maradona, one nil Raspadori at the J. Now we go into the J. Now, Juventus is not the Juventus from last year. I mean, yeah, they've got the same players. They didn't really make any a lot of additions. But, you know, they are they are flying under Allegri, man. They are winning a lot of games, and they are not giving up a lot of goals. But if Napoli can get it together, and if Napoli can score some goals against Juventus, I think it's a wrap. And we could have been... Three points back in the title race. At least at least three points behind Juventus who are teetering with one and two. You know? It also depends on what Inter would do this week. But still, this was a Scudetto six-pointer is what it was. That's what it was. You know? And, and listen, we 
we're not going to blame Mazzari. I'm going to blame the referees. And and I'm sorry, you know, some people like to roll their eyes at, at stuff like that. You know, oh, it's always the referee's fault. No, I feel like in this game, Massa was terrible. And now there's calls for him to go down to City of B. There's calls for him to not referee Napoli matches anymore. Like it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big deal. And who gets to referee the game against Juventus in Turin this weekend? Oh, it's our buddy Daniele Orsato, who we all know is infamous in the 2018 Inter Juventus match when Orsato overlooked what was a bookable offense by Pjanic against Rafinha when when Pjanic would have been his second yellow card. We all know what that led to, guys. So we'll have to see uh, what happens there. But let's take a look at the rest of Serie A. Friday was the game between Monza and Juventus that finished 2-1 Juve. Um, Saturday, we saw Genoa Empoli finish 1-1. Lazio got their win against Cagliari 1-0. And Milan beat Frosinone 3-1. And then on Sunday was Lecce Bologna 1-1 at the 6.30 fixture. Uh, Fiorentina beat Salernitana 3-0. Udinese Verona 3-3. That was a good back-and-forth game there. I believe it was Verona who got the 97th minute equalizer in Udine. Um, Sassuolo 1, Roma 2, and then Napoli lose to Inter 3-0. On Monday, Torino beat Atalanta 3-0. Two goals by Zapata, which was great for my Fantacalcio. However, I only got a draw against Kung Fu Pandev this weekend. Thanks a lot. Um, Oh, that's thanks in part to Fiorentina's Beltran getting his first goal, and I sat him. I played him. I started Beltran and my Fanta Calcio. Every single weekend, I start this guy. I decide to sit him, and he gets his first goal at Serie A. Of course he does. Thank you very much. That cost me a win. Uh, anyway, should probably do a podcast on that, That on our Fanta Calcio. A lot of fun that we have. There's a lot of big names in there, too. Joe Fischetti, uh, Gianluca's in there. Gaetano Solazzo's in there. Um, Joe Cacavalli is the is the presidente, the, the the commissioner. We've got uh, Michele's in there, Michele Scotto di Luzio, and uh, amongst others. If I forgot you, Carmine Carmine Guadagnano's there. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, and the winner every year is <laughs> Joey's cousin uh, Raffaele, who's just a master at the game but maybe we'll have one of these guys on and talk about Fanta Calcio one of these days it's really cool um frustrating but cool the Serie A table is like this Inter with 35 points Juve in second with 33 Milan with 29 in third and we have been overtaken in fourth place by Roma on goal differential we still have to play them that's coming up soon but we share fourth with them with 24. In six is Fiorentina with 23, who gained a little points on us with their win. Bologna uh, tied this weekend, so they don't get to jump, jump us in 20 with 22 points. And Atalanta losing really helped us out too with 20 points in eighth place. So we really could have been in a in rough shape, guys. I mean, we, we were tied in fourth with Roma. 
right now. And in fifth, technically fifth place. This is why we need that fifth Champions League spot, guys. Got to cheer for these friggin' Italian teams. I know. I know it's rough. I know. But again, uh, continuing on, Lazio in ninth with 20 points. Actually, Atalanta and Lazio both have 20. Torino with 19. Monza and Frosinone with 18. They share 11th and 12th. Lecce with 16 and 13th. Uh, 14th place is Genoa with 15. Sassuolo also have 15 points. Udinese in si- 16th with 12. Empoli in 17th with 11. And your relegation three is Verona, Cagliari with 10. And Salernitana with 8 points this coming weekend again the big one friday juve napoli at the j this saturday nine o'clock hellas verona versus lazio atalanta milan and inter udinese those are big ones too and frosinone will play torino in the espresso match monza genoa salernitana bologna Roma Fiorentina. We on Monday as well. Empoli, Lecce, and Cagliari Sassuolo. We did have Coppa Italia this week. On Tuesday, Lazio beat Genoa in the round of sixteen, and Fiorentina Parma finished two-two in regulation. And after extra time, Fiorentina beats Parma four-one on penalties. Napoli Frosinone on the nineteenth. And Inter versus Bologna on the 20th. The reason why us, Inter, Fiorentina, and Lazio have our Coppa Italia matches a little early, because usually it's at the beginning of January, is because we have to go to Saudi Arabia to play the Super Cup. And then it's on the 3rd, it's Atalanta Sassuolo and Roma Cremonese. On the 4th, it's Milan Cagliari and Juve Salernitana. We get the winner. Should we beat Frosinone, we get the winner of Juve Salernitana on January 17th. All right, you guys, I'm going to get to your questions and your comments next. Okay, you guys, I took to socials to uh, have you guys send me some questions with hashtag AskRafa or some thoughts even. Let's start with the responses from X, the X app. Uh, X, go and give it to you. (laughs) And Daniel Bowen's giving it to me too. We got to talk about VAR or lack thereof. Yes, Daniel, we covered it and Masa getting relegated to say to be one week too late. Uh, that's a response by Anthony, uh, who is at me ves y sufres. <laughs> but Debo, I appreciate you coming in. Um, you know, VAR is a mystery, man. Like, it's like one of these things where, you know, I guess a form of VAR would be the goal line technology. That's down to a science. The referee's watch goes off. The whole of the ball goes over the whole of the line. And if it doesn't, the watch doesn't go off. And that's just plain and simple, right? You got the the offsides where if you're like a millimeter offside, it's gonna catch it on the um, you know on the system. 
and the referee will be informed on if it was an offside or not. So we've got those things down to a science, even though I think that it's kind of ridiculous if it's a, t- a toenail off. Like, it's pretty pretty ridiculous. I feel like the whole... I feel like there has to be a good amount of body part offside for it to be called. If it's that close, I feel like the call on the pitch should stand, you know? So if it was given as a goal or if it was given offside, then call it, you know? Then leave it on the pitch. If the, like, You know, I don't see why not. Why can't they do that? Okay. The call on the pitch was offside. Referee blows, puts his flag up after a goal scored. They go and they see that, you know, it's a toe offside or it's a heel offside. Then leave it the way it is. Okay, on pitch call stands. But if a goal is scored and the referee's flag does not go up and they look back at it for offside and it's the same indication where there's, you know, it's the same instance where there's the, you know, heel of the boot or the toe of the boot is off or the, the, the like, you know, edge of the blade of the shoulder is off. Then leave it on the pitch and give it a goal. I mean, I that's how I feel. I feel if it's so close, if it's that close, like again, obviously, if 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 a whole shoulder is off, or if a whole foot is off, or if even half the foot is off, you know, we're talking millimeters. We're not even talking inches. We're talking millimeters. Leave when it comes down to millimeters. Leave the call on the pitch the way it is. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. But as far as these penalty kick given, you know, given or not is concerned, we really have to come up with a way to figure out what's a foul, what's not a foul. You know, because on the on the flip side, okay, let's take Aussie men's, uh, you know, uh, foul into consideration. Let's take a few others I've seen this year too. I can't, I'm not going to go into details and list them, right? But you've got Aussie men who was clearly contact was made. He goes down. Maybe he embellishes it a little bit. Maybe not. There have been, of course, there have been embellishments, right? One's, one I really hate is the one Dumfries, when he grabbed his face and Kvartoskelia, you know, thought this guy was having real problems on the pitch and waved his arms in a panic. And mm, Dumfries w- wasn't even hit in the head. It, that that should be bookable. You should be out of the match from there. You should have a red card given. But if you're not going to give the penalty kick because apparently either there wasn't enough contact for a foul, then what happened? Then Ossiman must have dove, right? I mean, if they're not going to give the penalty, give the yellow to Ossiman for diving because it's either one or the other, right? There was contact. He went down. Was it enough? No. Do you think he embellished it? Yes. Give Ossiman the yellow if you're not going to give the penalty. Or give the penalty. Because right now, the letter of the law says contact in the box is a penalty kick. You know, I overheard another commentator on another game. You know, oh, maybe it, it was it was enough contact for, you know, for him to go down. But it wasn't enough contact for a penalty. Like, it wasn't enough contact for a foul. It wasn't a foul. It wasn't a dive. Well, then what was it? <laughs> what are we talking about here, guys? What are we talking about? Anyway, thanks, Dan. I appreciate you, bro. Uh, Lord Figo come out talking a bunch of crap. 
I didn't have a lot of patience for him this week, although I do like him at Floatin101. Thanks, Lord Figo, saying that I came out of hiding. It's his Scudetto Forza Inter. Appreciate you, bud. Um, please check his... Go to my page and look at his tweets. He's a funny guy, man. He really is. Daniel Guerrero comes in uh, at dguerrero32. Um, he goes, do you think there's anyone that we might bring in this January to reinforce the squad? Well, I did just see some kid from Red Bull Salzburg, Martis Kajgaard. I'm not so sure what what he's uh, about, but there's a big talk about him possibly coming in. He's a Danish midfielder, and he apparently has some promise, but Napoli are looking at him for um, for January, and that heavily depends, you know, according to me, that heavily depends on whether we either sell or loan out Gaetano, or maybe even sell Deme finally. Um, there was a list of names that were given uh, for replacements, uh, not replacements, but additions in the in the left back, uh, and they were players that were on the free agent pool. So that's a possibility of trying to find you know another defender to help us out with that because I do believe Oliveira's injury is pretty long term. But we'll see, my man. We'll see. Um, that was it, I believe, from X. No, let me just check. I did get a really nice DM from Nicolaj Lindbergh, whose uh, handle is at Bonjohead84. Uh, Nicholas says, hey, so glad to hear that you're on the pod. Uh, we need you, man. Well, I appreciate that, Nicolaj. I really do. I appreciate that. Um, he says, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Napoli. He goes, I'm a bit confused. I try to stay positive. So do I. But it's difficult at the moment. Yes, it is, my friend. I know that we lost Spalletti and Kim, and we can't count on Napoli to be taking the Scudetto for the second time. But I get mad at ADL because I don't think he made the best out of what could happen this season. We have one of the best forwards in Europe. We had a team with a great mentality, something that we have been waiting for for years. Uh, all the mess with awesome and video players don't know what to expect before the season losing sporting director. I think there's too much ADL messed up the season, but I also know we must see the season through, but that's not what we expected just to win the Scudetto. Well, thank you for your thoughts, Nikolaj. I really do appreciate the DM. Um, I thought it'd be cool to share here. I think we covered almost everything there, but ADL, you know, he did what he had to do. The managers weren't coming in. You know, uh, Rudy Garcia was a mistake. He admits it. He knows it. He and Spalletti are doing fine. They're getting along. You can see uh, over the last few days where there were the Italian awards and, uh, you know, some, uh, some other. Uh, I think uh, Spalletti was given an honorary citizenship to the city and De Laurentiis was there. And they were joking around and it was fun. I think Spalletti said something like, you know, being with ADL is like, <laughs> it's like watching a horror movie. And just when you think... Everything, because, you know, the nod to his being a filmmaker. He says, and just when you think that um, the 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 scene, there's hope in this in the movie and this the, 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 the final scene is a scary scene and you, you spill your Coke and popcorn all over your, your clothes. And he said, that's the, that's what it's like being with ADL. And then ADL said something about how, you know, American films over the last 40 years have been 
um, pretty much shaped by horror films and just saying that Spalletti, they just went back and forth. I'm not going to translate the whole thing now, but they went back and forth with each other. It was fun. It was tongue in cheek. They laughed. At the end of the day, they thanked each other for, you know, you know, obviously ADL thanks Spalletti for giving us our glory and Spalletti thanks ADL for finding his spark, you know, refinding his way. And, you know, I think that story could be put to bed. I, I know a lot of people like to blame Spalletti for leaving ADL for not resigning Spalletti, vice versa. But I think all in all, that story just has to be put behind us and we need to move forward. Now, as far as Walter Mazzotti is concerned, I did hear on the Italian Football TV podcast. Uh, Marco Messina's father, Gaetano Messina, said that he thinks that Mazzotti should not eat the panettone and is going to be sacked before Christmas and that if Napoli don't beat Juve on Friday, he should be fired. And he thinks he's going to be fired. And I say that that's totally unfair. Totally unfair. Uh, and... I just don't agree with Gaetano's assessment there. I don't agree with it. These four games that Mazzotti was asked to come in to take over for, Rudy Garcia, Atalanta, Real Madrid, Inter, Juventus. You're going to tell me that after that you're going to properly assess Mazzotti's performance? I think it's the Braga game and then after where we need to assess. Because let's face it, Braga is a doable game. We should be able to win that game. We should be able to qualify for the next round. After that, we have Cagliari. We have Coppa Italia for, uh, with Frosinone. We have Roma. We have Monza. And we have Torino to round out the Andata. And... That's where we need to really start to see a turn for Napoli here. I will not judge Mazzari with a loss for to- for tomorrow. Mind you, Di Lorenzo is not injured and he's fine. I guess he took to social media saying that he's not as injured as everyone thinks he is or he's not, you know, he just had some fatigue or something like that and he will be playing against Juventus so everybody can calm down. We're not you know, we still have issues in defense, but there's not an emergency the way the media made it out to be. And, um, you know, there's that. I did mention the Italian awards. It is the Gran Gala del Calcio. Um, the AIC gives a team of the year every single year. And this season was... Uh, as follows, goalkeeper Mike Magnan. In defense, we have Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Alessandro Bastoni, Kim Min Jae, and Teo Hernandez. In midfield, they gave it to Nicolo Barella, Hakan Chalonoglu, and Stanislav Lobotka. And the forwards are Kvice Kvarachkelia, Rafael Leao, and Victor Osimen. So that's five Napoli players. Um, that's five Napoli players in the top 11. Di Lorenzo, his second appearance, actually. He was on the team last season as well in 21-22. For everybody else, it's their first appearance. The Serie A Footballer of the Year this year is Victor Osimen. It's the first Napoli player 
to win the award. Luciano Spalletti was named manager of the year for the third time. Previously, he had won it in 2006 and 2007 with Roma. It is Napoli's second appearance for manager of the year as Maurizio Sarri won it in 2017. The Serie A referee of the year was awarded to Daniele Orsato. So we got the award-winning Daniele Orsato manager in charge of our game against Juventus. That's great. Comforting. The Serie A Club of the Year, obviously, Napoli. The Gran Gala has also named Kvaraschelia as goal of the season. The goal he scored against Atalanta, the one where he beat 16 <laughs> Atalanta defenders. But guys, also, Victor Ossiman is in the running. Also, Victor Ossiman has been named to the shortlist for African player of the year. He is one of three listed. Mohamed Salah and Ashraf Hakimi are the other two out for that award. Thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys taking some time to listen. Again, we are rolling on with this podcast. We've got some plans for the rant. We've got another host coming in with me towards the uh, new year. And we finally have named our podcast, uh, the Noi Tifia Monopoly podcast. I want to thank you very much for listening. Be sure to look out for Henry Bell and Michele Borelli's beautiful podcast, In the Shadow of Vesuvio. I'm sure they'll record an episode soon. But also, please give us a like at Far From Vesuvius. Please follow all of our socials i will create a new social for this show too i'm at rafanopoli 83 on x you can find me rafa rispo on instagram give me a follow give me a shout we'll talk to you guys soon let's get this win against juventus huh i think i think that'll turn things around for us Um, but don't ever forget that this napoli has achieved such great things and we should all be happy about that and whatever comes next comes next and there's not much that we can do except be fans don't forget ciao guys Stai da fronte